Hello and welcome to Enlightened Empaths, your community for the spiritually awakened, where we discuss, explore, and connect with fellow empaths, healers, intuitives, and seekers. Welcome back, empaths. We're so excited you're here with us again today. Today, Samantha and I are going to talk about how we process information from our intuition and from spirit. And you know, so many of us want to be clairvoyant or clairaudient, but there's so many other ways that we can bring in that information. And the beautiful part is as you become more acclimated to how you react or how you do get that information to come in for you, it'll, it gives you a building block to build on, but it also allows spirit to work with your individual unique blueprint so that you can get more validity from what you're actually connecting to. I think it's a beautiful thing when you understand how your intuition works, because so often we'll get questions where people will say, I get feelings, or sometimes I have dreams that come true. What do I do now? Where do I go from here? And I think one of the steps is understanding which Claire are you predominantly working from, and then you can start to research and work with that, as well as strengthen the Claire's that maybe aren't your strong suit. Exactly. And haven't you found that no matter where you start, the other clairs come in, the more and more you do this work. You yes. Miss, I, which I love. So I do too. It's teamwork. <laughs> for, for a lot of us, claircognizance is usually one of the first things that will come in. You, you don't know why you know things, you just know things. And you might not have prior knowledge about a subject, but for some reason you're able to pull out some semblance of being able to hold a conversation about a topic. It can present as something real or feel like a premonition of something coming up. The problem is you don't have anything to confirm that you really know it or how you know it. So I think claircognizance will often come in very instantaneously. There's a feeling of trusting with it. It can even be without that validation or evidence. You just know it in your heart to be true. Yeah. And while it can be one of the strongest clairs, it can also be one of the most overlooked or misunderstood ones. It's connected to the crown chakra. So if you're looking to strengthen that, you can work on crown chakra in your meditations. But what's hard is that what you just said, there's really nothing to base that on except you just know it. I find that when I just surrender to claircognizance, it's a lot better because often in your daily life, this will appear, you'll be talking to someone and you'll just say something and you sound like, I don't know, you know, Thich Nhat Hanh or Buddha, like it just comes out so perfectly. <laughs> and your friend looks at you like, wow, that that's really helpful. And you're kind of looking at yourself like, yeah, that was pretty good. That's uh, to me, that's not coming from you. That's coming from spirit through claircognizance. It's just this knowing and you know what to say, when to say it and how to say it. it. It's a beautiful thing when it's working. And I think for a lot of people that have a strong level of claircognizance, they may be very analytical, but also highly intuitive, which is kind of the double whammy. They do. They're seekers of universal wisdoms or truth, very logical, uh, love learning from a bunch of different modalities. So if you're someone that you may be very intuitive, but you're also very analytical and practical. So you get an intuitive hit, but you double guess it a bit. You may want to explore claircognizance because another way, do you know what someone's going to say before they say it? That's also that clear knowing. 
You might wake up in the morning with clear insider solutions. You pick up certain skills easily. So there's a lot of different nuances to this, but it's a great, great foundational skill for building your other clairs. It is. I just think if this is your strongest clair, you have to work on balancing your ego. And I don't mean that in terms of look at me, aren't I amazing? I mean that from the other end of the ego. Because like you said, they are analytical. And so a lot of claircognizant people tend to overthink things. And so they'll overthink the inner knowing that's coming to them. And they'll think, oh, that can't be true. I'm making this up. Yes. And so if you're thinking, well, I'm just making this up in my head, you're, you're spot on, Samantha. Then the chances it's coming from a place of fear or ego, whereas if it's true claircognizance, it's just going to feel true without that feeling of needing to double guess it or, or prove it. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like the information from claircognizance comes through so quickly, you can't even catch it. It's like it was just always there. Yes. And meditation, automatic writing are both great ways to work with claircognizance. What would be some crystals? Because that's, that's your forte. Well, definitely purple stones like sugalite or amethyst would be really great for claircognizance, but also clear quartz, especially if you want to look to one of the master stones, like a Jane Dow channeling quartz, which is where you have um, one seven-sided facet. So one, one face of the terminated point of a clear quartz has seven sides, and then the other next to it has three sides and seven sides and three sides and seven sides. It's called a channel or quartz. And that's a really great one. Lemurian as well is really wonderful for claircognizance. Or if you find a clear quartz that has the record keeper, the little raised triangles on them, also an excellent stone for a claircognizant person. So I had read that Herkimer diamond was good as well. Would that make sense? Yes. That's a great one. Tibetan quartz is also a good one for for that as well. It's so hard to just pick one or two or five. (laughs) (laughs) Or 20 or 30 or 40. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Another way we process information and energy from spirit and from our intuition is through clear sentience. And this is clear feeling, clear sensing, and it, it aligns with your solar plexus. So think about getting a gut feeling. And that's a great way to remember that it's clairsentience. But again, it's very similar to the claircognizance because you can't really prove it. You can't really, you have to just trust it. If you have a discomfort or an unease around certain people, or you feel overly sensitive or overwhelmed in large crowds or places where there's intense energy, you can walk into a room and feel if there's a mood of relaxation or tension those can all be indicators that you're a very clear sentient person. I think the book is called The Gift of Fear by Gavin De Becker. Every time I hear clear sentience and we talk about it, I think about that book. He writes about how he studied, he works with um, like criminals and and you know victims of crime, and the whole book is about how all the people he has interviewed before the crime occurred, they had a feeling, they had a sensation of don't go down that corner, don't walk to your car alone, don't trust that person. And they all pushed it down because we're so trained in society to be kind and put on a smile and be friendly. 
And so I don't know why every time we talk about clairsentience, I think about that book because the body never lies. Feelings never lie. When you get that feeling, whether it's a happy butterfly feeling, like do you ever wake up some days and maybe yesterday was crappy and awful and a mess, but for some reason you wake up the next day and you just feel super happy and tingly and good inside, like something good's going to happen today. Mm-hmm. And then you do, you have a great day. That's, that's clairsentience. But in the same respect, you can, you can be walking down a street. Maybe you walk down every day. It's on your way to work. And this one day you get a feeling of something, something's not good. We have to learn to honor that because I think this clairsentient ability comes from our ancestors. I think it's one of our, you know, flight or fight senses that we get. What's interesting is we as empaths, we automatically think that we're all clairsentient. Not necessarily in the sense that empaths sense and absorb the emotion and feelings, but the clairsentience is when you get the corresponding message or intuitive hit to go with it. So that's that's a good indicator of, am I just sucking this up like a sponge as an empath, or am I processing information that's connected with it? That would be more of the clairsentience. Yes. Yeah, very, very true. And I think the more, because it's connected to the solar plexus, which is the seat of confidence, will, strength, determination, and you know, really how strong we feel within ourselves, one of the best ways to strengthen this is to start trusting yourself in little daily actions, trusting your decisions, trusting your responses, trusting your choices. You know, exactly. do you ever have those friends where you're like, oh, we're going for lunch on Friday. I can't wait. Where do you want to go? And they say, oh, wherever is fine. <laughs> That's someone who needs to work on a stronger solar plexus, you know, just making those daily decisions and having a concerted effort to trust yourself and trust your first impressions, your first instincts, your first emotions and thoughts. Right. And if you're wondering, how do I know if it's clairsentience or claircognizance? Clairsentience is processing through feelings and sensing things. Whereas claircognizance is more logical and factual, disassociated from the feelings. So claircognizance is going to come in as a thought, a a knowing, a clarity, whereas you're going to feel or sense the information on a clairsentient level. A lot of times clairsentients are very, very, very sensitive to their own feelings. They have strong gut feelings about other people, situations or environments. Again, discomfort in large crowds, but I think that's a lot for a lot of empaths that's significant. Emotional books and movies and media might really tip you upside down a little bit. And I think sometimes for clairsentient people, if they're around darker, heavier, more dense energy, it can even get to the point where it can cause a feeling of of being physically ill, dizzy, or uncomfortable. Yeah, for sure. And I think with with clairsentience. And the difference with claircognizance, claircognizance is just an inner innate knowing that's just kind of plopped into your head. It's it's just almost already there. Whereas clairsentience, you've got to pay attention to your body as well as your emotions. So pay attention to the hair rising on your arms or the, a butterfly feeling in your stomach. And I think in my experience, people who have a strong clairsentient ability tend to be natural healers as well. Have you noticed that? Yes. Yes, very much. A lot of uh, energy workers, Reiki practitioners, so many are highly, highly clairsentient. Yeah. And so again, crystals for that location would be sunstone, 
Carnelian is often good because it works to help your solar plexus and your sacral chakra connect and work together with passion and creativity and inspiration. Citrine or yellow jade is excellent. Amber is good for that. Tiger's eye. What just popped in as you were saying that is how important it is to remember that none of these are better or worse or more developed. It's just depends on how you're wired and how your energy presents. So if you're thinking, well, I'm only this, but I'm not that, just be grateful for the way you are wired and know it's a stepping stone to develop those other. It's becoming multimodality. That's all it is. It's just fine tuning your senses to a new level. Well said. I think the most popular kid in this crowd is clairvoyance. (laughs) Everybody wants to be clairvoyance. I want to see it, damn it. Yeah, but I think clairsentient is the unsung hero because you you just you know what you feel. It's undeniable when you get that that inner feeling of this is good or this is a warning. You can't you can't deny it. You can't push that down. And so I, I think clairsentience should get much more praise than it does. Yes. Yes. And it's also a very useful tool in making decisions. Uh, so, but with the clairvoyance and the, there's two kinds, well, actually there's three kinds, but we'll talk about the two kinds. The, uh, there's objective clairvoyance, which is the ability to actually see a spirit in your physical environment. That's when people see apparitions or, you know, they're physically seeing something with their eye. And then subjective clairvoyance is an image projected from spirit into your own mind. So it's like seeing a picture in your mind. Most of us use subjective clairvoyance all the time. Um, Right now, you can close your eyes and you can picture a banana or something that you're familiar with in your mind's eye, and you can see that really clearly. You're using your third eye or your brow chakra to see the image as it's like it's projected on a blank screen. Some clairvoyants see images that move like a movie. Some will see still shots. Some will get a feeling of a picture. I know that makes no sense, but it's part of it may see colors or orbs, twinkling lights, a glow around someone, brief flashes. A lot of times they call remote viewing, traveling clairvoyance. Had you ever heard that term? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I know for me, a lot of my clairvoyance comes in in the guise of my own memories. Oh, that's a good point. Sometimes if I'm doing a reading, I'll see a memory from my life and I know that's a message. So I have to talk about that, you know? Like if I see, I'm just making something up because I never went camping, but if I saw like an image of me camping as a six-year-old, then I know I have to say to the client, oh, did you and your dad go camping a lot as a kid? So sometimes you have to pay attention to random memories that pop into your head when you're activating clairvoyance. Probably going to butcher this word, but there's sonambulistic Symbolism. Yeah, about dreaming clairvoyance, basically, Mm -hmm. like when you're getting those messages through your dreams and the vividness. And I think that's a sign of uh, a lot of people that are very clairvoyant or have the propensity to be so have a really active and vivid dream life. You might daydream a lot. You might sense someone in spirit being around precognitive visions and dreams and meditations. And see, that's a real strong suit for you as well is you get a lot of stuff in your dream life. Yeah, and I think that's that's indicative of clairvoyance and claircognizance as well, because often in those dreams, you just know things and you're not really sure how or why you know them. 
I also think clairvoyant people are very imaginative in their daily life as well, or especially as children. And that's another reason why you have to tame the ego, because so often when we will see something clairvoyantly, we'll think, oh, I'm just making this up. That's my imagination. Don't you find that's a thread between all of these? Yes. our, our, Our mind or our conditioning or what we've been taught will want us to make it fit when it might not fit at all. No, I think that is 100% true. And so with with clairvoyance, what you want to do is kind of make a note of how it does work in tandem with clairsentience, because often you will feel different when you are seeing something clairvoyantly versus just imagining something as you daydream. So because clairvoyance is actually, you know, that whole when you get up into the top three chakras are all kind of interconnected. But a lot of times people that are really good with descriptive metaphors and use a lot of adjectives when they speak have a higher level of clairvoyant ability. I thought that was interesting. Well, you know, what's interesting is a lot of this for teachers out there, it connects to your learning modality. So if you're a visual learner, you tend to be more clairvoyant. And so visual learners tend to be really good and avid readers, which is going to give them a higher vocabulary. Exactly. And, you know, if you're really good at visual or spatial puzzles and able to manipulate the shapes and pieces in, in your head and see the bigger picture, that's another way, another indicator that you might have a real strong sense of clairvoyance or the ability to do so. But again, any kind of memory games or practicing how visualizing things um, manifest is exactly what you just said a few minutes ago, closing your eyes and, and recreating a memory or a picture or an event in your mind's eye. Those are all great ways to work with that. Yeah. Or just staring at a candle flame and then closing your eyes and recreating the, the image of the flame in your mind's eye helps to strengthen that. You know, I read in a book years ago that you should tap your third eye to awaken it. Mm-hmm. And I keep coming across that. And I told you, like, for the last few years, I've been on this, I don't know, this rabbit hole of finding like really old out of print metaphysical books. Yes. And even the really old metaphysical books have recommended that as well. And it just, I don't know, I feel silly when I do it, but, you know, they say it works. Just tap your third eye a couple, maybe 15 or 20 times. That kind of ties in with the whole, the meridian points and tapping. So maybe there is something to that tapping solution. Some crystals I would recommend for this center would be any dark blue stone, like sodalite, lapis, labradorite, kyanite. Again, there's, there's so many, but those are some really good ones. And I have been known many, many times a week to lay down with these crystals on my chakra centers. And sometimes if I've had, do you ever have those days where you feel so busy that your head like just feels filled with cotton balls? Like you've just got so much going on you can't think. So what I'll do a lot is I'll just lay down and I'll put a stone, usually a labradorite on my third eye and just ask it to absorb all of that excess stuff for me. And then I will clear and clean the stone. But that's a really helpful tool as well. So again, not my forte, but I had read amethyst and fluorite can also be a good, good for opening your third eye. 
Oh, a hundred. Yeah. Amethyst is called the all healer. So you could really recommend amethyst for anything, but especially the upper chakras. It's excellent for connecting you with the divine, with your higher self, with your connection to all that is. And fluorite, you know, there's green fluorite, purple fluorite, blue fluorite, yellow fluorite. But if you get rainbow fluorite, it can be really great for that um, as well. Any fluorite is going to be good for so many things, studying, retaining information, but because it is to help you really learn and retain information, it, it is a good one for the third eye chakra because the third eye chakra is the all seeing eye. So it's seeing stuff that sometimes we're not even aware that we're seeing. Well, that's very well said. And then there's clear audience or clear hearing. Another big, big fan, what people want to hear it. They want to hear the voices. And it's the same as the clairvoyance as you have the objective, which is actually hearing it and the subjective where you hear the words or phrases internally, and they may sound like your own voice or your own thoughts, which makes it sometimes hard to, to know, is this coming to you or from your own internal dialogue? But if you hear music, sounds, names, dates, addresses, you're utilizing clairaudience. If you're not hearing it clearly or it seems faint, Sometimes you can ask them to turn up the volume a little bit and, and it, you can fine tune your clairaudience if this is a strong skill for you. A lot of times people use their clairaudient abilities when you're able to repeat prior conversations or phrases from the past in your mind. It is connected with the throat chakra, which aligns with communication. So that makes perfect sense. When your throat chakra is aligned and balanced, and open, messages are going to come through more easily and readily from a clear, clear audience place. If you hear some of us, and some of us, I've had this happen a few times in my life. It freaks me out every damn time. If you hear someone calling your name and there's no one there, that's happened to a lot of us. Anytime that's I have clairaudiently heard objectively, it has scared the crap out of me. Yes. I don't like it. I remember one morning when my kids were little, I used, this is back when I was younger and had so much energy and I would wake them up by singing the good morning song. Mm -hmm. So I go into their room and they had bunk beds back then. And I'd be like, good morning, good morning, good morning to you. And I'm singing the little good morning song and they are not moving. They are not waking up. And all of a sudden I hear morning. Oh, and it was a woman's, like an older woman's voice. And I was like, oh, no, it's not a good morning. It's a terrifying morning. <laughs> it scared me so bad. I think I staged my house every day for like eight days. Another time, Deb and I were helping to cross over a spirit who was haunting a, situa a location. And we heard, help. And it sounded oh, like yeah. it sounded like the voice was coming from a tin can. It sounded like it was there with us and simultaneously very far away. Mm -hmm. And that really scared me. So I've, I've never had a time where I've heard something clairaudiently and been like, oh, well, isn't that a great message? Thank you for sharing that. It's always scared me. So my clairaudience is not very strong, but what does happen is I'll hear music, songs that I love. They will just like songs from the 70s or 80s that are not played on the radio anymore. And they'll just randomly drop into my head. And then I know to pay attention to the lyric or the title. Or if I'm doing a reading, sometimes I'll have to pay attention to who's singing it. Like I'm terrible with names, 
But if I hear a certain song by Frank Sinatra, I've learned I have to say the name Frank, mm-hmm. not, not the song. So sometimes it's trial and error with Claire Audience. But other people who are strongly Claire Audience, I mean, you've heard John Holland. He'll, he'll, he'll go, what's that, darling? And he'll hold his hand to his ear. Like, like they're just standing there next to him, whispering all the information. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and Which is kind of a, an odd thing. But if you really enjoy quiet, that can be a sign of someone who's really clairaudient as well, which makes sense because you fine-tune that, uh, that modality of receiving information. You might have talked to imaginary friends when you were a kid. You love and re- resonate deeply with music. You might talk to yourself a lot. You can tell someone, I love this one. You can tell how someone feels when you hear their voice. And how many times have we talked to someone and they're saying, I'm good, it's all okay. But you can almost feel that resonance underneath it that something's off. So if you're really good at that, that's another tip that you might have a strong propensity towards this. Um, hearing, knocking, footsteps, creaking, things that don't have a physical catalyst. If anyone who lives in an old house and they'll say, oh, the house is settling, you know, or is it? Is there somebody marching around out there? Yeah. What about ringing in the ears? Yes. Yes, that would be a big one. And I think because we've talked about this a lot on other shows, sometimes tinnitus or ringing in the ears, if it's not a medical condition, can be a download from spirit. And as mm-hmm. you pay attention, do you get it in one ear or both ears or one ear more than the other? But I think that you might get this more if you are clairaudient. Yeah, I agree. Singing is a great way to build this, connecting your throat chakra with the hearing, listening to lots of different music. See if you can pick out the bass line and what's being played or for the unique tone and sound of the individual instruments. If you're a really musical person, that comes really natural to you. And what crystals could we look at for this? That would be any light blue crystal, like blue lace agate or blue chalcedony, blue quartz, uh, aquamarine, angelite, celestite. All of those lovely light blue stones are going to be wonderful for that. There's um, also a new game. Do you play Wordle, the New York Times? Okay. Yeah. There's a new game called Hurdle. Okay. Have you have you tried this yet? It's really fun. No. Oh, your son would love it too because you you have such musical kids. It plays like three seconds of the first notes of a song, and then you have to guess it. Oh, for the old people, that was the game show that was name that tune, and people oh. would bet, and they would say, "I can name that tune in three notes," and they'd be like, boop, 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 and the person would say, "Oh, that is this," and they'd name it. So that was an old game show back in the day. Now it's now it's on the internet. <laughs> well, <laughs> imagine that everything's cyclical, right? Well, it's yep. called. Is it H U R D E L or H E? I it's hurdle like H E R D L E. Okay. Yeah. All right. Great. Thank you. Mm-hmm. That would be a fun game. It is. It's really fun to play. And for some reason, at least this month, they keep picking older songs that I know. Like they're picking all these songs from the 80s and early 90s. And my kids are like, what is that? I have no idea. And I'm like, I I got it. I'm on it. (laughs) (laughs) Some people might taste things. They get clear tasting. And that's Claire Gustin's. And it's it's one of the lesser known and maybe not as common ways that we perceive spirit or or process our intuition. But sometimes if you get a specific taste or a flavor 
or even a texture in your mouth. Uh, some medical mediums have been known to use this to detect if someone has a nutritional deficit or a health pro problem. People who have done rescue work or crime scene stuff, they may get that acrid taste of blood in their mouth. If you have a really highly developed sense of taste, this might be easier for you to develop this skill. If you have a strong memories of how things smell, if you're really sensitive to pleasant and, and even unpleasant scents, if you get food cravings for no real reason, if you've ever been out to eat with someone and they'll take a bite and then they'll say, oh, that has the lightest hint of rosemary. And I'm thinking, oh, it was delicious, but I didn't, I can't analyze every little flavor that's in there. Yeah, but they can. And that can be a good indicator when you're when you're working in the in a healing modality or an intuitive modality, sometimes it can be a hello from spirit too. True. You know, if your grandmother always cooked something and you suddenly have that that taste in your mouth, that could be a hello. But that's, I think it's it's rarer than the other Claire's, don't you? Oh, very much so. And if if you think about it, since smell and taste are so closely connected. And a way to develop this would be to really focus on the aroma of the food, not just the taste. And you can even fine tune it by eating foods that are similar, but have subtle variances. So maybe a navel orange versus a mandarin orange and close your eyes and pay attention to the subtle nuances between the two. And that will help you fine tune things a bit. Kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. And we have Claire smelling or clairaliance which is when you smell things that aren't physically in your environment. The scent is one of the strongest ways that we can reconnect with memories. If you ever, like if I smell the aftershave that my father wore when, when I was a little person, you get a flood of emotion with that. Or if you smell your favorite food that your parent or guardian made for you when you were a little person, I, I think smell is really, really, really important. A lot of times cigarette smoke will come in for people who say, well, why am I suddenly smelling cigarette smoke? Some people get a light floral scent. But if you pay attention to the smells you get in your daily life, it'll help you. Sometimes it can help you recall uh, access to difficult. Like if it's, you're having a hard time remembering something, try to bring that smell back or find something that smells like it. It might be a trigger to access the memory. Yeah. And that's often also a hello from heaven. Yes. For all the mediums we've known and for the amount of time we've done this work, I've had these happen, but it's very, very rare. It's not an, a part of my natural repertoire of stuff that I do. Do you get these now and again? Yeah, um, I will. And what's interesting too, is sometimes if I'm really focusing on, on praying to my angels and asking for assistance, or if I'm saying the rosary a lot, I will smell that scent of roses. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. And I always think that is such a gift. So some people have said that if there's danger, they'll get a smell, you know, like if you, if you smell propane or bad food or mm -hmm. it's like, oh, stay away, danger, danger, Will Robinson. But some people have said when they're ghost hunting or in haunted situations or, or dark energy places, they'll get almost a, a dank, earthy kind of putrid smell around that energy, not the location, oh. but around that, which I thought was kind of something to think about as well. So That's eerie. Like, like smelling a, a grave site? 
Well, yeah, the way it was described was just like a, a that putrid, and I know the smell, that earthy, heavy, uh, dank smell. Yeah. Which, well, I don't like to think about that stuff, though. No. And, of course, a lot of times these two taste and smell would come in together. I don't know if there'd be any crystals for this. I, not that I'm familiar with, but I'm there's a crystal for everything, I'm sure, but not <laughs> <laughs> The last one we're going to talk about is clear empathy, and this one isn't discussed a whole lot, but it's clear emotion, and I would bet that most of the people who are tuning in are feel this, you and I feel this deeply, and it's having empathy for all living things and it's understanding the pain, the emotions or feeling someone or something else is experiencing. And if you have strong levels of this, you almost like you take it to the next level and symbiotically feel what that other person is experiencing. And that's truly one of the main things of for empaths. But when you bring it to this level to clear empathy, it's, it's empathy on steroids pretty much. But when you suck up the emotions and physical sensations of people and possibly the physical sensations. If, you know, negativity is so overwhelming for you, if you have an intense sense of passion or affection or emotional state of people. And I mean, I feel that level of empathy of, um, I I can't watch the the hurt animal things that I can't watch people being just, it's getting worse. I'm not going to say it's getting worse. It's getting more pronounced as I get older and more aware of how much it can impact. Uh, I think all of us are finding that with where things are in the world right now. A lot of clear people with strong clear empathy have an absolutely beautiful natural ability as a healer. You love children, nature, animals, elders, the vulnerable. You want to be of service. You might need to isolate a little bit to recharge your batteries. Um, yeah, but you I see this a lot in like midwives, doulas, nurses. Yeah, yeah, because empathy is kind of that combination of affective and cognitive thought processes based on, you know, observation and logic, perspective and reasoning. Clear empathy is that shared awareness that takes it even deep, more deeply. And I think we should all try to develop this one, don't you? Even more so. I do, but I also think if you're going to develop this more, you have to really amp up your psychic protection as well. 100%. I think we all have this ability on a spectrum. I mean, how often have you gone into the office and everyone's in like a bad mood or maybe just the boss who sets the tone is in a bad mood and then everyone's kind of tiptoeing and walking on eggshells. And the next day, something great has happened at work and everyone's laughing. And, you know, I feel like we, we pick up on the, the mood of the environment we swim in all the time. We just don't call it clear empathy. It's so important to be in touch with your own emotions through a meditation or just solitude so that you can know, okay, wait, I woke up in a great mood. Now I'm feeling super anxious. And you can track like, well, was that the really stressed out, freaked out cashier that I met, or was that my coworkers at work, or or is it me? Is it did I have a, a, a scary thought that I pushed down and ignored? But I think if you're going to work on clear empathy, you've got to do a lot of other stuff so that you're not physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually taking on the feelings of other people. 
Exactly. That emotional contagion where you're just so deeply impacted by the emotions of someone else. Mm -hmm. And I think if you are a natural medium or an intuitive, or you're looking to develop your skills in that level, this might be something to really uh, put some time and effort into. But I agree with you 100%. So, so, so spot on about protect yourself energetically. There's one more Claire I want to talk about. Okay. And that's clairtangency, which is also known as psychometry. Oh, and yes. I, I think this is such a great Claire and such a wonderful skill for anyone who really wants to work with their intuition on a deeper level. And this is where you can hold an object and feel or see or hear or sense the memories and emotions connected to that object. So people have been known to hold a wedding ring at an antique store and get all sorts of emotions and impressions about what the wedding and the marriage was like of the person who wore that for 20, 30, 50 years. Or you could hold a watch or a cell phone, anything that someone has loved and held onto and worn holds and retains that energy. And through clairtangency or better known as psychometry, you can really tap into that. And it's, it's a really great skill to have. It is. And I love to use that with, if you have someone in spirit and you have something that they hand wrote, that holds a beautiful, beautiful vibration of someone. And you can put your hand over that handwritten, like if you have a card or a note or a letter and hold that, that in it, it's a beautiful, beautiful way to develop this, but also to really feel the energy of that person that you love. Yes. Yes. Our handwriting holds so much of our energy. So something you can do in the morning, if you are a morning journaler, is you could just sit there and write and think, what does my day look like today? What, what will my day look like? And just write down any impressions that come to your mind. If you see a lot of trees or if you hear birds, maybe you're going to do something outside that day that you weren't expecting. Or if you just see the inside of your office with the door closed, you know you're just going to buckle down and work that day. But you could also then say, what does my day feel like today? What is my day going to feel like to me? How am I going to feel at the end of this day? And you could say, what does my day sound like? And, and just kind of start to work with your clairs on a more conscious level on a daily basis that way. That's great. That's great advice. And a, and a gentle way to start the day too. Yeah. Well, this has been fun talking about this and just getting a little more clarity because I think we get a lot of folks who want to know how can I develop this or am I making up in my head? Is this even a thing? And I've talked to a lot of people lately who are trying to find like-minded folks to share this information with. So I hope that we helped you realize that exactly the way you do it is exactly the way you're meant to. Yes. And what you concentrate on and focus on is what expands in your life. So if you focus on learning more about these clairs and how they work for you, it's going to expand and strengthen naturally in your life. So thank you guys so much for joining us. We'll be back with you next week. Don't forget if you want to send in a story, especially a dream visitation story for our upcoming show on that, or a question for our upcoming community connection show, you can email us enlightenedempaths at gmail.com. 
You can find out more about our work and services by going to thegratefulmessenger.com or samanthafay.com. And please join us on Facebook. Just search Enlightened Empaths. If you like the show, don't forget to rate, subscribe, and leave us a kind review on your listening platform or just tell a friend. We really appreciate it. And as always, please remember to show up, do great work, and share your light. Take care.